everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. Um, thank you, as always, for joining us. I am Brent Smith. Um, today, we have a panel like we did last week, which was a lot of fun. Five people um, doing this through Zoom provides us the opportunity to have more people on here than we would have in the past. Um, one, because you get to see each one of our faces, where if we had five people in the studio, it'd be probably pretty hard. Pretty hard. Um, but it gives us the space that we need. Our podcast studio that we have used in the past is pretty small. So to get five people in there, it gets a bit crowded. So now we can do 20,000 people if we wanted to on a podcast. So um, anyway, we're back at five again today, just like we were last week. Uh, we have everybody that was here last week, myself, um, Danny Elberton, Jerry Cook, Michael Miller. And then we have a new guest today that's never joined us before, Candace Henderson. Say hello, Candace. Hello, everyone. <laughs> she Thank is... You. Um, a good friend of ours here at the church. She is a um, good member of our worship team as well. Um, and she wanted to join us today. So um, Tiffany is off this week from the podcast and um, reached out to Candace last week. And she ended up not being able to join us last week, but she said she could this week. So she is here. Candace, we are happy to have you. Welcome Thank to you. Impact. Happy to be here. I like how I like how you said that she's a good member. Of I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not just a we member. Have the bad ones, you know. Not just a member, too. but a good member. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, um, Candace is awesome, and she's she just serves all the time, um, selflessly, and she also helps us with other things here at the church too. Uh, some admin um, things. She sends out. Is it our weekly email? Is that what you do as well? You send yes. that out for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she does a lot of stuff for us around here. So we really appreciate you, Candace. Glad to finally have you in a conversation on here as well, because we see you commenting, commenting all the time yeah. on our conversations on the Facebook Live. So um, I want to start trying to reach out. So if anybody's watching this now, if you're somebody that comments a lot on here, say like uh, Ashley Cherry Holmes, Mackenzie Shouse, <laughs> anybody like that who's kind of uh, with us all the time, I would love to get you guys on here sometime. So um, Candace is joining us today. Once again, thank you. for. And being. now they're going to stop commenting. Right. Yes. They're going to yeah, clam up. Just start falling. <laughs> but the cool thing is, man, we've got this Zoom capability now, so they can just do it from home. So it's easy. Um, but anyway, guys, thank you for being here. Thanks for joining us again. Um, today we are in 2 Samuel 7. We've moved into the book of 2 Samuel, so that's going to be our chapter for today. Um, so, Daniel, give us some context on 2 Samuel 7, please. <laughs> yes, it goes. I, I still forget my context man shirt. I have a, it's in the... <laughs> It's in the laundry right now. Uh, I need to make a graphic so, that'll flash across the screen. Yeah, exactly. I know. Uh, all right. So um, I guess last week we talked about the death of Saul and the end of Saul's kind of reign, his kingdom. And now 2 Samuel really starts with David uh, rising to power, rising to become the king of all Israel. And so where we are right now, he, he is now actually united uh, all of Israel uh, Saul's, um, I guess, son that would have uh, potentially become the king of Israel because they kind of divided it between Judah. Judah was loyal to uh, David, and then Israel was still kind of, which would be the other tribes, um, were more kind of potentially going with Saul's heir, which is Ishbosheth. Yeah, Ishbosheth. <laughs> Good which, job. I mean, that would have been a tough king name, anyways. <laughs> I mean, seriously, who, like so. <laughs> Like, how does, how does anybody come up with a name up like that? Like, okay, here's my son. We'll call him Ishbosh Eth. Uh, so anyways, um, <laughs> so, so he, uh, he ends up being murdered and uh, there's a kind of a, uh, there's like this whole civil war that's happening. A lot of, um, a lot of men are, lot, there's a lot of stuff going back and forth, but David eventually becomes uh, king of all Israel. 
he actually captures Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was, was under um, the Jebusites. Uh, and so he captures Jerusalem. He makes it the capital city. He calls it Zion. He's now in the process of bringing the ark. Uh, uh, now the ark is in Jerusalem. And his desire is to now build a temple for the ark because he has a palace. Like he has actually built a palace uh, because of his conquests and because of the allies that he's made. And his desire now is to build a, uh, a house for the Lord, uh, for the ark. And so that's kind of where we are right now in 2 Samuel 7. I don't know if I missed anything, but if I did, Michael will let me know. No. I think that was <laughs> right. a good synopsis. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent recapping. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> So I will say, um, reading up to this, uh, hold on, I'm in the way wrong chapter all of a sudden. Um, 2 Samuel 7 is where we are today. Um, at the end of 2 Samuel 6, um, I love, it's after they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to the city. And um, is it Michal? Michal, how is us? Yeah, it's Michal. Yeah. daughter? Yeah. Uh, Michal. I love, that's one of my favorite um Verses for being the worship leader. Um, I love that's one of my favorite verses of worship because she's she's basically telling David, like, you look like a fool, you know, dancing. And, and um, you know, he was he was kind of he was I don't know if he was naked, but he was kind of naked. But he's the king. And she thought that he was foolish and that he should have had more, you know, whatever yeah. himself to cover himself up because he was the king. And he basically tells her, like, I'm not doing this for you. I don't care if I'm the king. God is the king. I'm doing it for God. It's so worshipful. It's so much of like, I don't matter. He matters. So, and, and what other people think of me doesn't matter. He matters. more. Mm. And that's, I mean, that's yeah. just another illustration of why people say that, or why God said that David was a man after his own heart. Um, I love it though. Um, uh, he says, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel the people of the Lord and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. Um, mm. And it says, basically, because of that, she was cursed. Um, it says, and, and Michelle, whatever her name is, the daughter of Saul had no child to the day of her death. Um, but yeah, so that's not even part of today's chapter. I just right before I got into today's chapter, I saw that and was like, oh, man, I, I love that so much um undignified yeah, and for the, the word it uses in some other translations instead of um uh i will be a base or a, um, even more contemptible than this in some translations it says david said i will make myself yet more undignified than this i love that so it kind of goes along with um the scripture that you know he uses the foolishness of the world to you know um to be wise you know um and also the fact that god he um he's protective of us. And when we think about our honor and we think about who God is in us, you know, we want to look at ourselves, but it, David was solely focused on the Lord. And um, even in the eyes of those servants that the woman brought up, he would be held in honor. And we think of that, that, you know, people, they may say things, but when we are doing it wholeheartedly for the Lord, God works all of that out. You know, the very people they were saying would shame him is the, or be shamed is the very people that held him in great honor. Um, so I think that that is um, just a picture of who God is. 
he uses the opposite of what people think to bring glory to his name. Yeah. And I, and I think also what's good about that is that I think Paul will talk about how when it's foolishness, it's for the benefit of the church and when, mm-hmm. when they look foolish. And I think what it is, is it's when you uh, live with a perspective of the, the Lord being king and him governing your life and, and, and living through the kingdom of God and in the kind of character and nature of the kingdom of God, it just looks different than the world. And so it's, it's always mm-hmm. going to have this kind of pull away that that looks strange or that looks different, or why are you doing that? And the, and that's, uh, that's honestly, it's for the benefit of us uh, being missional and missional minded is when we do look foolish, when we look different, then there's something unique about us, like in the way we live our lives. And mm-hmm. so David is, is the king, but he is like dancing, like, like everybody, like, like he's dancing in a worshipful way. He doesn't care that he's the king. He's just one of the people that, that are dancing before the Lord and, and singing praises. And, and so it's almost like he didn't use his power or prestige to make his name great. He may, he humbled himself so that he could make the Lord's name great. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. when we live that way, it just looks different than the rest of the world. And that shows at, in the way that we live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We'll go ahead and get into today's reading right now. Now, when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, The king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers. I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build the house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. 
your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision Nathan spoke to David then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said who am I O Lord God and what is my house that you have brought me thus far and yet this was a small thing in your eyes O Lord God you have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come and this is instruction for mankind O Lord God and what more can David say to you for you know your servant O Lord God because of your promise and according to your own heart you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it therefore you are great O Lord God for there is none like you and there is no God beside you according to all that we have heard with our ears and who is like your people Israel the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt a nation and its gods and you established for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever and you O Lord became their God and now O Lord God confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house and do as you have spoken and your name will be magnified forever saying the Lord of hosts is God over Israel and the house of your servant David will be established before you for you O Lord of hosts the God of Israel have made this revelation to your servant saying I will build you a house therefore your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you and now O Lord God you are God and your words are true and you have promised this good thing to your servant now therefore may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you for you O Lord God have spoken and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever so that is second Samuel 7 <clears throat> pretty good chapter mm. so so God says he's going to build a house right out of David's line and then because David wants to build a house for him for his temple so um that is really really cool I mean I think that's the first part that we probably want to get into right is what was he talking about there when he said um that he's build a house out of, of David's family out of that line but that's an interesting question because David probably solved that answer differently than what God was actually communicating. Mm -hmm. Like hindsight being 2020, <laughs> we know what he was talking about, right? We know that, that yes, there's a succession of Kings, but ultimately, you know, Jesus born in David's line is like the eternal King, which is a greater answer to the promise than David could have possibly fathomed. Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. But David probably was thinking like, what you would be thinking if God told you this. Oh, sweet. That means my family is going to sit on the throne forever. Awesome. Thank you, God. Mm -hmm. 
You know, it, which is an interesting thing to me that I, I think that sometimes God is greater than what we can imagine. I think sometimes we put God in, the, in a, little bo- a little box, you know, like we think this is what God has to be. He has to be this little thing in this little box. And, uh, and God's often surprisingly much greater than, than we can imagine. And I think that's the case here. I don't think David could have possibly fathomed how great God's promise was actually going to be. Abraham the same way. You know, Abraham was probably thinking at the time, I'm going to have like 15 kids. This is going to be awesome. But he made a nation. Mm-hmm. You know, like God's promises are way better than we can fathom. Yeah. I love I like too how-, how he was saying, you know, have I ever lived in a house? No, I live in a tent. I'm everywhere. You know, I d- don't confine me to a house, which I think is really good in this season as well. You know, hmm. with us not being able to go to church where he's not confined to ECC. He's true. He's all present. Well, even in David's prayer, you know, David um, was humbled before him and said, like, who am I that you would even allow me allow this to happen to me? Um, but he also acknowledged that the thing that was going to happen was very small in God's eyes. You know, um, we ask for big things. Sometimes we think they're big, but they're small in God's eyes. Um, I had a pastor, um, once tell me that when he would begin preaching, he asked that he, I think he said he wanted to, um, preach in front, in front of a couple hundred people. Right. And then now his church is like, you know, I think a thousand people. He said, mm-hmm. I wonder what would have happened if I asked God for two or 10 or, you know, a um, hundred thousand people, what would God have done? Because as Michael said, he does overly abundantly <laughs> more than we can imagine or even think, you mm-hmm. know? So in uh, David was recognizing in your eyes, the thing that is you, you're doing is very small, but in our eyes, it's huge. It's a very big yeah, I think that I see that too, even in the very beginning, because he talks about, all right, I'm going to, you know, the Lord lives in a tent. And so I should build him a house. And Nathan, the prophet's like, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you have in mind. The Lord is with you. And then the Lord speaks to Nathan is like, actually, you know what? We got something greater in store. There's something really big that's going to happen out of this. And and he brings it back into perspective. And I love Candace, what you shared, because that's what stuck out to me too, was that mm-hmm. it's he doesn't, he's not confined to that. And he's not Mm. asking for that. Right. He's like, I've never asked to, to live in a house. I've never asked to have this beautiful temple be built instead. You know, I have always been kind of among my people. It's a, it's a humble thing. You know, there's something about, you know, the, you don't like, even when he reveals himself to Moses, like in the burning bush, right. He takes the sandals Mm. off. He doesn't need like pretension there. He's, He's like, this is holy ground. Just put your bare feet on it. I'm here. And, mm-hmm. and so it's like, I think that that is something amazing that God is saying that like um, is not required. And but it's still, you know, we see that the the house actually does get built, and it's a beautiful temple uh, with uh, David's son Solomon. Uh, but uh, I love that because now, in a time where we're not able to meet together, and we're like missing and lamenting the fact that we can't have church together. I think we're missing the gathering thing, but God is here. God is among us. Mm -hmm. God is with us. God is with us in our conversations. Um, I was just 
me and Phil and my wife, Lainey, were just talking this morning and the Lord just was speaking so powerfully in the moment that we were having. And it was just the three of us in my driveway. You know, it wasn't even like this really grand thing or anything like that. God was just there and he was in, in uh, his presence was there. And I love that because it's not confined to a location. You know, all mm-hmm. other religions have holy sites, right? And we have places that are that are of great remembrance. You know, there's all sorts of places that Jesus has walked in Israel that we just like it, it's it's profound and it's overwhelming. But what's beautiful is that with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and working around us and through us and through a body a assembly, a gathering of people, we don't have to have a, a, a building. And I actually was a mission trip in Uganda and I had church under a tree. We had church under a tree and it was beautiful. I mean, people just gathered under a tree and we just <laughs> praised the Lord. And we were, ta- we were talking about all the wonderful things that he was doing in our lives and, uh, and like clinging to his promises. And we were under a tree. There was nothing elaborate about it at all. And so I think that there is a beauty in, in seeing that this is not what the Lord requires. And if anything, he just delights in um, the, the kind of organic things that God is doing. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, that reminds me of you telling us about, uh, was it the widows that you guys gathered with under the mango tree? Yeah. 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 Mango tree. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and honestly, like there's some part of me that's like, you, you've got to name something about what, whatever you do, you've got to name it under the mango tree. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, so guys for, um, you know, I, I mentioned this a lot, but I feel like my role on this podcast a lot of the times is to kind of help out, um, put stuff in layman's terms and, and explain it for people that might be watching today that don't really understand what we're talking about. So, Michael, I want you to explain real quick, if you would, um, uh-huh. where uh, when Nathan is speaking to David and he gets into what we've been talking about, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, to succeed you, uh, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. So what's that house? We're talking like New Testament, right? We're talking today with that, right? Hmm. Well, I think that, again, what I said a few minutes ago, I think that there is something on God's mind, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if that's being probably not capable of understanding for David. Because keep in mind, I mean, even Jews, like today's Jews, they wouldn't, they, they don't see the New Testament in this. Mm-hmm. So like humans, sometimes we miss what God's actually doing. But but yes, there's there's New Testament um, kingdom like the, the the kingdom of God itself, the house of God, the kingdom of God. However you want to look at it, I think we even misunderstand that in the New Testament. Hmm. Like we act like the kingdom of of heaven or the kingdom of God is like this heaven thing, and and the kingdom of God is is God's rule on earth. So. What are you laughing at, Daniel? I'm doing the uh, dusted. <laughs> he literally up, got down on his knees right over here to crawl to try to not be in the camera. But <laughs> <laughs> I thought Daniel was laughing at me because oh. I started I started doing the Daniel, you know. I don't know what to do with his hands. But no, I, I think that that, that house Sorry. is is talking about um uh, really about God's kingdom and about how uh, how, yeah, how his so- kingdom of God is. It's much bigger than we could possibly have fathomed at that point. But David is probably thinking house as in lineage, as in, you know, his sons or, and his sons' sons. 
Um, but also could he be thinking of um, like the temple, you know, cause David's heart was to build a temple, but yet um, I think there's a song that says, you know, David's heart was to build a temple, but God didn't need him to build the temple. It was Solomon that was supposed to build the temple, right. you know? So David could have been thinking now is my time to build this beautiful temple for the Lord because it, David was a man after God's own heart. So his mind and his actions were always, or most of the time, um, were resorting to or pointing to God. Isn't that weird, Jerry, though? Like something that, that I've struggled with reading about that is, and I can't remember exactly where in the Bible it talks about this, but the reason that that God gives for not letting David be the one who builds that temple is because he was a warrior. And like, and Solomon was yeah. not a warrior, but like we talk about how David was a man after God's heart. I don't know. That's just weird for me. I don't, I don't, I, don't under, I mean, what do you guys think? I, I'm just asking a legitimate question. I don't understand with, with all the, the things. And I know David made his mistakes, but so did Solomon, you know, we're, you know they're, they're human beings. They're not perfect. So why do you guys think it is that God chose Solomon to build that temple instead of David. I mean, well, I think he's a they warrior, were, but why? But why does being a warrior like make him God, ineligible? I think God was changing from fighting physically to fighting. We think about fighting spiritually and in being of love, right? So David, he took them as far as he could take them. But I think that it, God, when He uses different people in different ways, so Solomon was that one that would be able to rule the throne and have the temple. And not in a fighting stance, but in a love stance, you know, in a, a direction and a guidance in a different He's a way. lover, not a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but that's what I, I don't, that I think sense. I read it somewhere is that, you know, God will take us so far and um, he may need someone else to, to display a different side of him in that but i don't think that he wanted um the next reign or the next way to be through fighting or through warrior being a warrior i don't know maybe brent or daniel or candace has something to say on that <laughs> i mean i think one of the things that you can just say is that god will do the things that he wants to do you know and like you, mm. you know he doesn't doesn't need an explanation for that. I think that he gives an explanation when he does say it. I, I can't remember where it is, but he does say that there's just so much blood on David's hands. And there was, mm. I mean, when you look back on David's story, he killed a lot of people. And yeah. so mm. it's, uh, and so with the violence, I think comes that, but um, you know, I think what's great is that Solomon is, is one that establishes his reign through wisdom and through, mm. um, you know, and through, reigning in justice with with justice and wisdom um which i think is is establishing a little bit of a different type of kingdom uh also i think it could show like these are just some thoughts like it can also show the fact that as you know, like you said jerry as david can only take the kingdom so far and solomon took it even further and and i think mm -hmm. we all want that as a generational thing right i think that god works generationally that's, like he wants one generation to take it a certain distance like like david it, uh, where is the scripture where it says david did what, what uh what was faithful in his generation. Like he, he was faithful to what he was supposed to do in his generation. And the next generation is supposed to carry it on further. Like that's how 
collectively the human race is supposed to grow and mature to become more like Jesus is that we take it one step further as we get closer and closer to ultimately what God has. So maybe this is kind of like the body of Christ kind of idea, except for in the old Testament, like, but David, I, I think da- there are oh, things sorry. that David was, was good at. There's things that David needed to do. And then, and then God made someone else to, to, to further that work. Kind of like how, like even in our staff, we, we have strengths and weaknesses in that we complement each other to where, you know, there, there are things that Daniel can do that I couldn't fathom doing. And, and there are things that there's nothing that I can do that these guys can't do, but you guys know what I mean. So yeah, I think that we complement each other and maybe that the body of Christ, that we all have different gifts. Maybe that's what God's doing in this work is that it, Solomon that, is able to do things that maybe David wasn't really going to be able to do. Yeah, his spiritual gifts may have been different from David's right. and he may have been able to utilize those in a different way than how he was using David. Yeah. And I think what's David cool was that, probably uh, able to go go tackle someone else's temple and claim it for the victory for himself, you know. <laughs> In the steel cage. Um, <laughs> but I think what's also really cool is that the way that Lord works is that he works in the present, but he has the vision for the future, right? And so like the mm. present is that the temple is going to be built by Solomon. And so he's speaking in a way that says, like Solomon's going to build my temple, but he's also looking ahead to the what's greater in that there is going to be a time where he doesn't, he's not going to reside in the temple, that he's going to reside in the hearts of people and people are going yeah. to become the temple. And that's going to be the thing that's ultimately going to, to earlier. yeah, it's, it's going to be the 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 crescendo of what he's already trying to kind of reveal and so that's the cool thing about how god works is that it's all connected and so even in the present moment is can be a reflection of something smaller or greater into the future like i think about like marriage is a great example of that right marriage is just a present reality that reflects something so much greater in the future which is going to be the marriage to all the bride of uh christ to christ and the, so the uh, the marriage of church to christ and so that's the that's the great unfathomable thing that is the, is the reflection of the here and the now. And the here and the now is still amazing, right? Marriage is an amazing gift, and it's all, but it's a, it's a reflection of what something greater is to come. And so I think that what he's promising here is a reflection of something even greater. And you even alluded to it earlier, Micah, that, there is, that God is doing something so much bigger in the present moment to, to build a, like a, a greater story in the future. I feel like that's I, always how he works, though, is like hindsight. You don't see what's yeah. happening until yeah. it's already happened or how he's using it until he's already done it. Yeah. I got a Brent question because um, we've talked a little bit about just in passing. We mentioned like the arc and we is mentioned this a question like I would. Yeah, like the kind of question that you would ask. <laughs> OK, um, so the, the we have the Ark of the Covenant and we have the temple, but we know that God is omnipresent, that God is everywhere. So how does that work when we say that God like resides in this temple or that God resides in this ark? Is he in the ark? Is he in the temple? Is he everywhere? Where is God in these passages? Yes, Andy. All yes. of the above. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everywhere, all the time. I think about like the comparison between the ark and the temple and Jesus, right? So God is everywhere, but he confined himself and and humbled himself to the form of human flesh, right? And so in this time, he he humbles himself or confines himself into a building, uh, into the Holy of Holies, into the Ark of the Covenant, but that doesn't restrict him. 
right? But it does mm. give him an access point, whereas Jesus is the ultimate access point. He's the bridge between humanity oh, and yeah. God. And so that's where God humbling himself to that access point gives us the window to God, just like the temple, the Holy of Holies and the Ark gave us that window into God, even though it wasn't necessary for him. Mm. So yeah. um, a character, I guess a character point of view of a um, of David is we see, you know, how many of us after God told us we wouldn't be the one to build that temple. And even though it was on God's heart would have just said is still praised him and said it was okay. And in fact, <laughs> if we point. read on, I think he was even collecting things for the temple so that Solomon would be able to do that. So I just looked at that character of David and saying, wow, like how humbled he was that even though he didn't get to take that step because David wanted to build the temple all along, but it wasn't his um, job, but he still knew that God loved him. He still knew that God used him. Mm -hmm. And um, I think even in our lives, you know, when we want to do something so much, but maybe that isn't what God is calling us to do. Um, how often do we humble ourselves and just praise God for allowing <clears throat> us to take part in it anyways? Yeah. Um, I just see that that character and you it continues to say, Michael, man after God's own heart. Like he was more interested in God himself than what God was wanting him to do. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of Moses as well. I mean, Moses, mm. Moses was supposed to take them into the promised land originally. I mean, that was kind of, he was leading them there, spent 40 years in the wilderness. And then God was like, no, <laughs> not you, you can't do it. You're going to die mm. on this side of the, of the promised land. And then they're going to go over, you know? Yeah. And he still, mm -hmm. he still was faithful to God and praised him and, and honored him and, um, and did everything right. So um, I always think about those two things as kind of a mirror reflection of each other in a way. And what are the what ways that we the... see, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, what about the disciples when there were only a few that got to see the transfigured face of Jesus? But mm. what about all of those other disciples that didn't get to see that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I was going to say is, is with David, I, I think it's interesting. We with the man after, after God's heart, I think there's, there's a few things that we see in, in him that, that really are like God that maybe we don't notice. Like <clears throat> one, he's super powerful. I mean, when mm. David shows up, it's a big deal. You know what I mean? I mean, he, I mean, he is a warrior. He is winning battles. He's powerful. Another thing that we see is that um, Christians, my son's over here trying to distract me. It's terrible. Um, he, he goes up and he goes, but what I do, what I do to, to Tiffany all the time, he goes, it's terrible. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> I've passed my terrible sense of humor to my kids, but again, David's powerful. <laughs> Don't we all? Uh, and another thing that another thing that David uh, is, of course, is, is is he's loving, which is God is loving. But I think one thing that we miss <clears throat> is that David is humble. Mm -hmm. When we see all this stuff that happens between he and Saul, like he could have just said, "You know what? I'm taking the throne now. I deserve it. God's called me. I'm the man. I'm powerful. I could take him right now." But we see, like when he goes <laughs> into that cave, he doesn't. And we see that a couple a couple times he could have killed Saul, and he doesn't. And, and we see some now. Of course, David is not um, David's not perfect. He, he sins. He makes mistakes. But mm -hmm. the, the bottom line is, we see that that David, for the most part, is humble, and God is humble. Which I mean. It's kind of a crazy 
kind of a crazy thing to see how like the 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 creator of the universe when we see him as manifested as jesus like wow how humble jesus is yeah and i think it's cool too to watch david his character because Uh-oh. Um, dies and yep. he, he's informed about what we, we missed all of that part. <laughs> yeah, you froze. Like, you were like, you were I think what's cool like about this. David. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> but, what I, <laughs> but what I was um what I was saying is um David, it's cool to see him because when Saul dies, um, like you said, Michael, he he he's humble, but it's mm. cool because it's like He's following the Daniel's got to go, by the way. Daniel, thank you for joining us today, man. We'll we'll see you next time. Bye, Daniel. Bye. Oh, he really disappeared. Just humble. <laughs> yeah. Tumble. Magic of um, he like he ties that with he ties that with following the um the traditions and the customs of what they should do for things. Like, so you know, him and the guys uh, and his men, they fast until mm. until evening or something yeah, like that yeah. after Saul dies but they don't do it just to do it. He does it and he's emotionally tied to it as well. Um, mm. And he cares and he loves and he's humble in those, in those things. So mm. I love that. Like it, it's, it's a really cool thing. It's like honorable. He like, he ties the traditions with him actually caring about them. It's not just him going through the motions because that's what you're supposed to do. Mm. It's funny how you, you got that deeper application there. And I think you're right. When I read it, you know, where my, where my mind went, you know, Jonathan, yeah. di- Jonathan died too. Yeah. And we know that David just loved Jonathan more. I no joke. When I read that, I, I didn't think of that application. I immediately thought, man, poor David, man, his, his, his dude, man, his, his best buddy. Yeah. I mean, what a terrible tragedy. And, and I thought that he would be, you know, mourning the name of Saul, but also really he's crying tears for Jonathan, but it, this, this can probably be a both and kind of thing. Yeah. Now. I'd say it probably is. I mean, he, he, um, he had reverence and respect for Saul throughout, but then he also really, really loved Jonathan. It was his best yeah. friend, like you said. So, um, you know, I'm sure that that was a quiet in in multiple ways that day. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, but I, I just love the character sorry of David. Uh, you know, he no matter how many times <laughs> he he was human, he messed up, he acted in flesh sometimes, um, but he his heart for God is just um, in, in God's will, I think is just reflective. You know, you look at how he treats other people. You look at even Saul and how he dealt with Saul. And even now he doesn't get to build the temple, which he's been wanting to do. Mm-hmm. And he's not angry. He just praises God. And he, he then, I, as I said before, I think he even started collecting things um for the temple if i'm right maybe i mistaked on that one but i think he started collecting things for the temple and it's like he still had a hand in it or a part but he wasn't bitter for god not allowing him to do that yeah Mm -hmm. and i mean look at look at the the millions of blessings that god put on his life as well you know Mm. i mean to to look at that one thing and say, well, you didn't let me do this. When he made him king, he took him from a shepherd boy, made him king, and he did all these amazing things in his life through the blessing and the favor of God. Um, how how crazy would that have been if that one thing made him go? Never mind, I, you're terrible, God. You know, mm, yeah. <laughs> so maybe there's an application there too. Like, let's keep things in perspective in our lives and look at all the blessings God gives us in those 
moments when there's one thing that we really want that we're not able to have, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. You guys want to wrap it up? Well, um, I would <laughs> say one more thing. Um, yeah. I really, on verse 26, he says, and your name will be magnified forever. Um, yeah. How often are our hearts wanting to magnify God? Like who he is, mm. what he's done in our life, you know, and um, the letting his glory shine. And we see throughout scripture that by our testimony, people believe. Like we look at Rahab and Rahab believed because of the testimony of other people um, of him, you know, going, um, parting the Red Sea and him um, destroying armies for the children of Israel. And um, so I guess I want to challenge us. Let us glorify and magnify God in everything that we do and pray that that magnification will allow others to believe. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny too. Like, so I'm part of, I think I've brought this up on the, um, on this podcast before, but I am part of, uh, Michael, you might be, I'm not sure. I know Phil is, I think Daniel is, but we get, um, we get um, scripture and encouragement from someone um, every day. Um, it comes through at about seven o'clock or eight o'clock every single morning and we get it. And Jerry, when you were talking about that, I was like, where did I hear that recently? And it just remember, reminded mm. me of it. So I want to read that to you guys today. Um, it comes from actually um, Dennis Morris, uh, who's part of our church. Um, I believe one of the founding members of our church as well. It's Daniel's father-in-law. Um, but he, he gets it from someone else, I think, sometimes and shares it with us. Or sometimes he augments it, adds his own thing to it, shares it. But today, this is what came through. So good morning, your testimony. Uh, do you know how important it is? Have you ever shared it? Is it something that flows out of you as natural as breathing? What is your hope? Who is your hope? The word of God tells us in 1 Peter 3.15, um, to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear, we should always be ready to tell them what great things the Lord has done for us. Be a blessing and share your testimony. It's more powerful mm. than you know. Mm. So, yeah, I was like, I knew I, knew I heard that some of that today. Um, but yeah, so, you know, to me, that's just verification that that needed to be said today and that somebody watching today needs to hear that. I'd say we yeah. all need to hear that. Um, yeah. So um, good place to wrap up. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's good. I'll, that, I would say the only thing I would say on that Brent is like, you just, you never know what your testimony, what effect that might have on someone else that might be going through the same thing that you went through. Yeah. You know, it might encourage them to reach out to you for help or, uh, let them know that, you know, there's light on the other side and really give them encouragement to get through whatever it is they're going through. Yeah. Make them let the light in. Yeah. (laughs) And I think even, um, (laughs) I think even the glories of God, like the miracles that he does or the answer, the prayers that he answers, like when we share those things, it brings people hope. Mm -hmm. Mm. And brings people to maybe even believe something that they've never or seek to believe something that, that they've never believed before yeah. um, because of what, uh, what God gives us or shows us or, yeah. Do you think it's, I mean, it probably is, but do you think it's because it's proof in mm. a way, you know, it's real life application. It's you sitting there in their face saying this happened to me. This mm, isn't just right. some story yeah. that I heard. This, uh, this is what happened to me. And it can happen for you too. If you, mm. if you come to know God, if you come to surrender yourself to him, 
the amazing mm-hmm. things and the transformation that he can make in your life. It's like, yeah, I'll give you, and maybe we can end with this example. There's a little girl yeah. in Malawi. She's a, I think I shared this with the staff. Maybe um, she was 14 years old, you know, staying by herself because her grandmother went to a funeral, double parent orphan. She had two 17 year old girls that came to stay with her. Someone tried to get into their home in the middle of the night. She just began praying and praying and praying. And whoever it was or whatever it was trying to get inside, it stopped. Those two 17-year-old girls looked at that and she said, it's like you actually know who God is and he knows who you are. It's like he's with you. And um, that 14 or 15-year-old girl, she was a she was able to say, yes, I do know who God is. And he is with me all the time and he can be with you. So she was able to share the gospel and that Jesus died for us, rose again, and that he he did that so that he would take away our sins and that we could spend eternity with him. So those two girls, they received Christ, and then they begin going to the church as well. So it's like the testimony of one can change many. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. All right. Well, let me pray to wrap us up today, and then we will get out of here. All right. Mm. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you, as always, for this time together. We thank you for the places that you uh, you direct us and guide us in these conversations. Um, we thank you for the, for the way that you speak, for the way that your spirit moves. Um, and we are just always happy to be here to be vessels for that to happen, God, for us to share our testimonies, but for, for you to speak things through us that we don't even know are reaching other people's hearts. God, amazing the way that you work. Um, and we just want to continue to surrender ourselves to you, Father, um, to be to be useful for the kingdom. But Father, um, just to ask you, as Jerry said, that that you would um, continue to help us to remember in our everyday lives, um, in our everyday conversations with people, God, how how powerful our own personal testimony can be, and to remind us to share that more, to share that with people because of how powerful it can be, and in the way that you can move through things like that, God. Um, I ask as as the the current situation that we're in is the world is beginning to kind of open up again. Um, I know that we've been doing a lot of online things through this time and a lot of um, social distancing and things like that. But God, as, as we begin to come back together person to person um, and this world begins to open up again a little bit, help us to remember that God, help us to remember to share our testimony, but also to share um, the simplicity of letting people know that you love them and the power that there is in that and and in telling people that that don't know that. Um, The fact that it can open up doors, um, open their eyes, uh, make them think things and question things that they've never thought about before and the way that you move through those, God. Um, We just continue to want to be here, um, as I said, to be vessels for you. So, Father, um, we thank you. We trust in you. We know that you will move. Um, We can't wait to see what you're going to do every day going forward, Um, the way that your kingdom is going to grow, the way that you're going to reach people in new ways that we've never imagined before, because God, your imagination is so much greater than ours. Um, We just wait to witness and and find joy in the way that you move, Father. So um, we thank you once again. We love you. We lift you up and we honor you. And in your name we pray and say, amen. 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 Hopefully I didn't freeze up in the middle of that. But guys, uh, if you're watching, if you're listening, once again, thank you so much for joining us, for joining the conversation. Candace, thanks for being here. Jerry, thanks for for being here. Michael, thanks for being here. Daniel, thanks for nothing. 
Um, but <laughs> no, love Daniel very much. Um, he is context man, and I don't know what we would do on this podcast without him. But um, mm. guys, we we thank you. Uh, we hope that you have a great week. And until we talk to you next time, as always, go out there, share your testimony, let the light of Jesus shine through you to the world, and mm. um, just love people. All right. You guys take care, be safe. We will talk to you yeah. next time. Thanks. <laughs> and if you're on the audio version, that was a pig that Michael squeezed. <laughs> All right, you guys, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.